But before we start, let me get rid of my freckles. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. <laughs> it's, it's such a good look for me. It makes your eyebrows go away. I don't even have yeah. eyebrows, right? So that's as good as they get, but all right. Right. They're like they're there when you turn that thing off. When you turn it on, it just Yes. Yeah. yeah, I like having a rumor of eyebrows at least. You but... go full you go full Odo when you turn that thing on. <laughs> Odo, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> Evening, everybody. Welcome to What's On Joe Mind, Special Edition 90. Uh, it seems like we should have more of these after 12-some years, but whatever. Special editions don't mean... They aren't the same as they used to be. We used to just throw special editions out whenever we didn't have news. Now we try to use them more for spotlights. So 90 is where we're at. I'm your host, Mike Arizari. Uh, with me, of course, here in the top row is the former head of marketing for the G.I. Joe brand at hasbro it's the hot show mark weber there you go yeah and 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 being a former something at hasbro seems to be going around uh so right right your club got a lot bigger yeah shout out to those remaining and the honored fallen yeah we are recording this the day that that went widespread it it had been trickling out in other places and you know you kind of held out hope until it actually went but it actually went today and uh, the man below us here in, in the all alone in the bottom row needs no introduction. I don't? Cool. <laughs> Doesn't even get one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I could that myself. But that, of course, is stage of, of YouTube uh, screen and uh, motion picture. I don't know. Just... <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. All those things. <laughs> YouTube star and ring general. Damn. Oh, wow. Pixel deck. <laughs> the house tonight hey guys hey thanks for having me i'm really excited to do this with you guys ring general it's you know it's for as long as i'm and it's really been a long time coming (laughs) yeah yeah really it's well i mean it's been kind of fun doing so much joe stuff uh recently which i i guess that's kind of what we're going to talk about today (laughs) and dan's finally showing some interest in gi joe it's time to get him on the program (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, 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 we uh, we limit ourselves a little bit sometimes in that we only we only really deal with G.I. Joe on the on the program. Like Mark, Mark and I will talk pop culture, everything at, at a certain point. And Rob, too, uh, he's uh, he's just just slightly off camera tonight. But, um, uh, you know, we, we'll talk about any of that stuff not on the show and sometimes it will even leak onto the show but we try not to make about that stuff because then we would just have a a six-hour show so um, so it's it's nice that uh that you finally started putting some material out there that we can (laughs) overlap with and just kind of give you a reason to (laughs) people are like oh who is that you know we have a lot of fans that only follow gi joe right maybe they don't know who you are maybe they're not yeah yeah 
And, and so we don't we don't want to bring you on and, and look like a goobus in front of those people. We want to we want to bring you on and make you look good in front of those people. But now we now we can talk about some stuff that you've done uh, with the GI Joe hobby. So I, I feel like we after after 12 and a half years, Dan, welcome mm-hmm. to your What's Not Joe Mind debut. I love it. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, goodness. So, Dan, you are you are from the uh, the capital of America, Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, the <laughs> nice little town. We right. uh, yeah, I I I went to my one and only JoeCon the year that it was here in Springfield. <laughs> oh, there we go. That was that, that was the, the year that I met Mark. Actually, was in Springfield. Yep. Oh wow, wow. Yep. That was, was, uh, was running the booth. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I was there. I, I went and filmed the, the booth and everything while I was there to put it up on my channel. Uh, it was that was a uh, uh, weird for me in the sense that like Springfield doesn't get anything like we don't get stuff like that. Right. So when we found out that Jokon was coming here, I was like, you mean I can just like drive up the street and go to a convention? I don't ever get to do that. I'm usually flying to the East Coast or the West Coast to go right. to these shows. So that was, that was one of those things where I was like, well, I have to go to Joe con if it's in my hometown. And right. I actually, I, I went with, I went with uh mutual friends, uh, Duvall and, and Dave, actually, I tagged along with those guys. So shout out to them. And, and I had a really good weekend. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was cool. It, it was. And, and, uh, everybody who hugged Dave Draper got a 0% discount on admission. <laughs> that's, that's very, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> When we we do a community calendar uh, bit on our program, and I every time Toy Man comes up, I say if you hug Dave Draper, that's good for a zero percent discount. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's, that's awesome. Joe, Joe Joe Con fans got had their opportunity back in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I was was it I, was that the year mark? I don't know. If so yeah, fifteen. You you know uh. A fun, I can tell a fun story about that too, about Jokon. So like um, my day job office building is downtown in Springfield. So it's close to the convention center that, um, that Jokon was held in, right? And so there's, there was also a, a, a Starbucks over there. So it was, it's pretty common for me and my coworkers to like walk to that Starbucks to get a coffee, like at some point during the day. So early in the, like the Friday before Jokon started, there was already people like, mingling around outside the convention center i think because picking up exclusives and stuff was going on and i was at work and me and a bunch of like co-workers from my regular day job um walked over to the starbucks and as we're walking across somebody yelled pixel dan and then like a little crowd of people came over to like talk to me and take pictures with me while all of my like regular co-workers are just like Oh my God! Like this, like we knew what you did, but we had no idea that this. <laughs> so it was one of those weird moments where, like you know, two of my worlds were kind of clashing together, and it was, right. it was, it was funny. Like them all going back to the office and telling everybody what they had just witnessed. It was, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> that was one of one of the better moments of my uh, Joe career, uh, either professionally or personally, because I was walking into the convention center at one point and there was a a small group of people behind me with a lady in front and they were like 20, 22 feet behind you. So it's that weird, awkward moment of, well, do I hold the door for too long? 
Or yeah. do I just let it close, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm a Boy Scout. I hold the door open. And the, the lady in the front of the group as she walked in said, thank you, darling. And <laughs> no lie, Morgan Lofting, voice of the Baroness. I'd never met her in person. And I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. I just held the door for the Baroness. And That's I almost let, it close, almost let it close in her face. So, <laughs> so now you'll forever make sure just let the, hold the door, right? Because like yep. you never know. You never know you who never it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not, not only great. cool moment, but slam the door on the Baroness and see what happens, right? Like, right. Come on yeah. <laughs> right. Mark, Mark up there doing the Hasbro panel and just. Oh. Yep. Just like that. <laughs> Done. Dart. Done. She's the captain of the pistol team after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so dan mm -hmm. let's uh let's turn back the clock a little bit let's get more of the the the, the pixel dan story sure so it's 2008 seven yeah seven. Oh god <laughs> i know <laughs> what made you say because really i mean i look back three or four years and i question us moving to youtube then so i can only imagine what that decision was like in in 2007 2008 like what what drove you to say you know what i'm gonna make videos about toys yeah post them for the world to see so that that was um uh, i mean youtube was like brand new then right like it started in like 06 i think so 07 was still very young and it was not what it is today right like we didn't right. people weren't going to youtube to just watch you know, content. There was no smartphones back then. It was a very different landscape. Um, but I had already started noticing like people were putting up videos specifically about like retro video games and stuff. And that was so interesting to me that I was watching people that were around my age making videos talking about old Nintendo games and stuff that they were playing. And it really hit that like nostalgia thing for me because I'm like, this is so cool. Like, you know, reliving my childhood through watching these other people do videos. Um, guys like James Rolfe, who's still doing things as the angry video game nerd today. Like he was one of the first guys I saw doing stuff like that. And the more I started watching that, the more like I wanted to try it myself. Like I just felt like inspired to talk about stuff that I was nostalgic for. And I wanted to find my own niche to do it because like we're like back in 07, like there weren't like toy reviews on YouTube yet. That wasn't really a thing. There weren't influencer was not a word. It was not a thing that existed back then. And so I wanted to just try my hand at doing something like what I was watching. I wanted to talk about stuff that I, I loved, I collected, I was nostalgic for and see if I could find a way to like spread that passion out there. Um, so I, I got like a camcorder from a circuit city. Another thing that dates this whole thing, right? right. Circuit city. Um, it was like a little mini DV camcorder. So I, I like, I got that and I just basically played around with it. I had to learn how to like capture footage off of a, a, a videotape. I had to play around with like, built-in video editors just to like learn how to do stuff. And I just started like filming stuff in my toy collection and talking about it. And once I kind of got it figured out, I was like, well, I want to do something that's adjacent to the stuff that I'm watching, the video game stuff. 
So maybe I can kind of like latch on to, to what everybody's doing and, and people will like watch what I'm doing. Um, so I put my own spin on it and I started talking about toys that were based on video games. And I call, I created like this series around it called from pixels to plastic, which is where my name comes from pixel Dan. So if anybody's ever wondered why my name is what it is, because it really doesn't make sense in <laughs> like the, the way things right. have developed with my channel, like that's the origins of the name. Um, but that worked. Like I, I started I just from your your propensity to walk around with no pants. Hex. That's that, sure. And... That's <laughs> the pixelate. Yeah, that's I mean, that that fits, too. Sure. That fits, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it worked. I was having a lot of fun with these videos and I started getting featured on the front page of like um, some video game websites that were like showing my content. Like I was on uh, screwattack.com was a big video game website at the time. And they featured several of my videos on the front page, gametrailers.com, stuff like that. So people were watching my stuff and it was like, this is kind of like, oh my God, people are like caring about like me talking about these toys. This is so fun. And it very quickly transitioned, like, well, not necessarily transitioned, but like, well, now I want to do more and I want to talk about more things that I love from my childhood. So let's talk about He-Man. And that's like, He-Man was always my number one. That was my big toy collection as a kid. That's what I was most nostalgic for. So I just started doing a couple videos about like old He-Man toys. I did like a video about all the different He-Man variations that had come out at that time which in 07, there weren't very many of them yet. <laughs> there was, there was a very small batch of different yeah. He-Man figures and I did stuff like that. And uh, it was right around this time, like in early 2008, Mattel launched the Masters of the Universe Classics toy line, which was like their new modern updated take on He-Man figures, which was like a toy line at this point I had been dreaming of because like He-Man you know, like it, it had basically been gone for a long time. You know, it tried to come back in the early two thousands and it didn't stick around for very long. So like back then, like we were all like very hungry for new He-Man anything. And this new toy line came out. That was like a collector line. It was an online toy line that was sold specifically through their website, which nobody had ever done that before. That was insanity. Um, but I decided like, well, if there's new He-Man toys coming out, I want to talk about these new toys. And that's kind of what like turned into like me reviewing a figure, like, cause I would get the new toy and I would make a video just about that one new figure and talk about it. And I did that for the first couple that came out and pretty quickly I got contacted by Mattel. Cause I was on, like I was being featured on the front page of he-man.org at the time. And that's how I met my good friend today. Val Staples was through that whole thing. Um, but once I was starting to get featured on he-man.org, Mattel reached out and they're like, Hey, what you're doing is pretty cool. Would you be interested <laughs> if we mailed you the figures like ahead of their release and you did these videos? And again, like reiterating, influencers didn't exist yet. This was right. a thing that like I I was like a kid at this point who just got contacted by a toy company to talk about his favorite thing. Like that was mind-blowing to me. Like I couldn't believe it. So um, yeah, I, it, they started sending me figures and then that's when it really just like took off. That's when the whole pixel Dan channel, like really became kind of what it turned into, you know, like I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it eventually did with like working with all these different toy companies and traveling around to toy conventions and getting to write books. Like it's kind of amazing that that all started just from me wanting to share my love of 
toys with everybody because I saw people sharing their love of video games. That that's really odd because back in in the audio only days, um, for a long stretch, we were really a, the only the only GI Joe podcast of note that was talking about news and current events. And yeah, you uh, you know we would we would pull in. It's hard to believe today, but forty and fifty thousand downloads of our of the of the, the podcast. That's awesome. And and um, but you talk about Mattel coming forward to embrace you, mm-hmm. and it just makes me think of of Hasbro's reaction to us, which was to throw up as many walls as. Oh possible. man! Well, it's it's pretty crazy, and honestly, it's kind of shows how forward thinking that team was at the time. I mean, they were they launched that maddiecollector.com website, which was like kind of the first time we saw a toy company do like a direct to consumer product mm-hmm. line. Right. And then they saw these opportunities like they, cause like, you know, it was me. And then like, they were also reaching out to a lot of the fan sites too. Like mm-hmm. I know Foosh was doing stuff with them at the same time. Like they really kind of embraced the community that they were selling these figures directly to. And like, they kind of, I mean, that's just the way it is these days, right? But like when you go back at that time, that was something brand new. I mean, those figures were announced when they first launched at $20 a figure and people scoffed. They could not believe they were trying to charge $20 for an action figure. (laughs) And now I'm sitting here going, man, I remember. You remember when these things were only $20? (laughs) (laughs) Right. There isn't a a whole lot out there that we would like feel bad about throwing an Andrew Jackson at and, and get <laughs> on it. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it was, you know, it was, it was, um, it was definitely one of those things where like, it was still took a while for, for the YouTube thing to kind of be accepted as widely as it was. Like, I think it was pretty clear at the time that things were moving more to that sort of format. But like, I remember, in is in those early days, like I said, people weren't going to YouTube yet to watch videos. So if you wanted your stuff to get seen, you had to like share it on forums and message boards or right. try to convince some of these websites to like put it on the front page of their website, right? So that people can see them. And I remember like pitching around to different toy news websites, um, like showing them what I was doing and seeing if they wanted me as a reviewer. And they basically all laughed at me like they... They didn't want videos. They wanted written stuff, you know? And so I, it was, it was, it was a little hard at first, but I just kind of stuck with it. Cause I was like, I, I knew that what I was doing was special and I just stuck to it and <laughs> you know, so. Right. Well, I mean, it was you, right. Whether, whether it was, whether it was the right call or just the crazy call, it was the pixel Dan call. That's right. It was what I wanted to do. It was what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. And that's why I stuck with it. Readings for squares, man. Yeah, man. Print, <laughs> print is dead, right? Right. I used God. to get, I used to get so many comments in those early days where people would just be like, "Ugh, I just want to read a review. I don't want to listen to this guy talk." <laughs> I'd be like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> Back to your hole, Grandpa. Right. <laughs> Chew on that. It's the Pixel Dan era. That's like I remember the the first time I went to Toy Fair in New York. I had no idea what I was doing. I went in totally blind. It was a real learning experience for me. 
you know, I, I, that's the year I found out that like, you got to like make appointments for things. You can't just yeah. show up and do stuff. So it was a real learning experience for me, but I, I went and I tried and I was walking around with a camera and man, you should have seen the way all those other outlets were like, who does this kid think he is walking around with a camera? You know what I mean? Like a video camera. Like, what does he think he's doing? <laughs> so it yeah. was, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, where are the big boys? Right. How come the big boys aren't here on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do I, yeah. why, how do I go to Hasbro? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? It's at a different place that you have to have. Yeah. So it was, it was a learning experience and, you know, and I, I'm all, I, I understand, man, you got to pay your dues and you got to, there's all that, all that goes with it. Right. So I, I worked, I worked real hard to get where I ended up. Right. I, I think it, sometimes you just have to keep showing up. That, absolutely. You got to put your face out there. I tell people that all the time. Cause you know, that's one of those things where people will regularly say like, how do I get in contact with these people? Or how do you, can you just give me people's emails and stuff? And I always try to tell people like, look, if this is something you're serious about doing, you got to show up. You got to go, you got to get into toy fair. You got to go to San Diego. You got to do the stuff and you got to put your face in front of these people, hand them a business card, talk to them, show them what you're doing, put yourself in front of them so that they, they know you. And then they start remembering you. That's what you got to do. You got to do that. Right. Nope. Nobody wants to watch your video reporting on everything pixel Dan told you. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear what pixel Dan said. Maybe I'll just go watch pixel Dan. Mm -hmm. there we go i like that <laughs> yeah, people don't, don't get that don't make that connection they, they always goes hey can you help us out with these i, I sure it's not gonna right. do you any good though i'm always and i'm always happy to help where i can but you know it's it's that whole like teach a man to fish and type of right. scenario right like right. i can't just give you everything i can show you how to get there but like then you've got to take it and run with it after that kind of a thing. So right, right, right. No, we we, yeah. No, I know what you're saying there because it's 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 uh it's funny how how a lot of those efforts dry up at that step, right? You know, yeah, for, yeah. For uh, speaking as a show where where folks come to us all the time and say, hey, I do a show that's a lot like yours because I watched you know I watched yours or I listened to yours back in the day. I mean that yeah there, there's any number of them that that say that and then they they put out four five six episodes and then they're done it's it's hard man you have to stay consistent and you have to you have to enjoy what you're doing you just have to because that that shows in your work and people can tell people can tell if you are actually passionate about the stuff that you're talking about and it's not easy like i've what I just said, I started in 2007. So I've been doing this for 15, 16 years now on YouTube. I still don't have that figured out. I'm, I mean, like it's some videos hit, some videos flop and you go through periods where it feels like nobody cares about your stuff anymore. And then you'll go through periods where all of a sudden your videos are all hitting and you're getting good views and it's, it's peaks and valleys, it's highs and lows. And it's, it's hard, man. And you definitely go through these periods where it's, it gets depressing and it makes you sad. And then you just have to like, remember the reason you're doing it and you find that passion and you find the fun and you keep pressing forward. If it's something you want to do, if it's something you want to share with people, you just got to keep doing it because that's, that's the only way you're going to get somewhere with it. It's the only way.
right? Right. Just just keep keep doing. Just whatever keep it moving is. Moving forward. Yep. Keep doing. So Dan, let, let's crank it back even further. We've already established oh. that you are in internet terms ancient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with with a 15-year YouTube channel. Um Ugh. But let's go way, way back because you're you're a couple of years younger than than Mark and myself. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, somehow you 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 stumbled into he he man, which uh -huh. was, I mean, he man was there when like before GI Joe, so it it like the it doesn't quite line up in terms of your age and he man's age. So how did that happen for you as a, as a youngster? Yeah, I mean, it's always weird when you think about that because I was born in '82. And He-Man hit stores in 82. So we are the same age, right? Me and mm -hmm. me and He-Man, we're the same age. But um, if you remember, like that toy line debuted before the cartoon. The cartoon came out in 84, 85. So I was like three-ish when that was the hottest thing in the world. So I was like right at the right age to be obsessed with the filmation He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series. So all of my earliest childhood memories... Uh, as far as toys go, are absolutely all around Masters of the Universe. Like my my mom specifically worked in retail, and um, so she was like she was my toy hunting mom. Like she was she knew when trucks were coming in. She would look for specific figures. She would hide them for us so that like I could get every figure in that line. Like that's it's that's another thing too. Like that's a line that I share with my mom a lot because she she liked it also. She can still name all the figures and all the characters when she looks at them. So it's one of those really cool things where like that was something that me and my mom did together when I was young was everything He-Man. And then it lasted until 87. So like, that's a good chunk of my early childhood with mm -hmm. He-Man being there and pretty prominent. You know what I mean? And then it's still went in the syndication and reruns ran for years and right. years and years. So as a kid, you don't even necessarily realize when things have gone away, when something like that is just playing every day on TV, like you're still just, it's your favorite show and it's still on all the time. Right? So I mean, all, all my earliest years, my younger years, I mean, that's that's the toys I played with. It was all about He-Man back then. I mean, I think it's really cool that you and He-Man were in diapers at the same time, right? That's right, yeah. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> and and uh, He-Man is still in diapers. That's right. That's his, uh, that's his pants of choice. <laughs> Furry loincloth. Love it. Furry diapers. <laughs> the, the running joke on uh, what's on your mind is that's not a loincloth. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so again, born in 82. So mm -hmm. uh, I feel old. Mark feels slightly older. Ancient. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, what it's obviously you are in the, the sweet spot for uh, marketers of the day, what what else was there in the Pixel Dan closet? Yeah, uh, so um, I definitely, I had Thundercats. I had Voltron. Voltron was another one that I really, really liked. I love the Panache Place Voltron line. Um, that was another cartoon that I really liked, which was, you know, <laughs> early anime. I, we didn't know what, an, that wasn't a thing I thought about. It was just a cool robot cartoon on TV right. as a it kid. Weird how their mouths never lined up, but you weren't right. 
Right. I didn't think about it. You didn't think about it as a kid. Yeah. So that was cool. I had, I had a bunch of superpowers figures and I think that was just a thing that was like, right. Oh, well you gotta, everybody knows Batman. Everybody knows Superman. Everybody knows, you know, so I had a bunch of superpowers figures when I was that young. Um, So it was a good mixture of that sort of stuff, but that's one of those things where like, I look at that era and what I didn't have is I didn't have any transformers and I didn't have any GI Joe figures. So that era right there was like, those were the two big things that are missing. So for the longest time, people have always like asked me like, what, why don't you talk about these more? Why don't you do that? And like the simple answer was just that I don't really have the nostalgic connection to those properties as heavy as I do a lot of these others. Cause I didn't have a lot of those toys when I was younger. Um, and then, you know, right as He-Man was winding down, the Ninja Turtles came out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I coasted straight from He-Man to Ninja Turtles madness. And then that took over the next, you know, however many years of my life, basically until you were, I was getting close to like not being into toys anymore, you know, as you're hitting that age, because Turtles, Turtles was a 10 year long toy line. Oh, yeah. Um, so like those, that's my two biggest memories as a kid, He-Man Ninja Turtles. And those have always been my two favorites as a result, but it was in, the early nineties around the turtles time that I did kind of get my first GI Joe figures, uh, which is kind of why I do have some nostalgic feelings for a certain era of GI Joe that most people tend to not enjoy as much. <laughs> not be as, quite, so, quite as high on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you no know, GI Joe and no transformers in, in the Weber household is considered child abuse. That would be a pretty empty house. Yeah, those are, <laughs> that was my one and my one A. Yeah, definitely. I know. I've talked to a lot but of I, people over the years that say the same thing. Like those were there too, and then I was He Man Turtles. So it's like I had the other, the other, the other big two, right? I guess those would be like the right. throw Star Wars in there, and those are like the big five toy lines, kind of. Yeah, it's it's funny when when I look at them, when I look at toy properties in general, it is Turtles and Power Rangers for for boy toys, yeah, right? Yeah, Power Rangers. As the That's two right. that are almost everlasting right if they went mm-hmm. away it never was for very long and you're those, right those two just juggernauts rolling through the decades no problem at all yeah I, I, yeah i wonder how much tv had to do with that mm. like because because obviously marvel sunbow did gi joe and did transformers obviously and i'm sure that those shows got sold together to cert- to to stations cuz for me growing up in new york channel 11 at 4 o'clock on, on weekday afternoons gi joe at 4 transformers at 4:30 mm-hmm. for like 3 or 4 years in a row well at the same time on channel 5 he-man at 4 thundercats at 4:30 there you go so you like if you watched one, you know, one of those shows, you weren't like you weren't going from GI Joe to watch Thundercats. You weren't jumping. Right. Right. You you might have jumped from He Man to watch Transformers because Thundercats was terrible. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I think I think you're onto something here, Mike, because you really don't find you find a lot of He Man and Thundercat fans. You find Absolutely. a lot of Joe and Transformer fans. You don't find a lot of Joe and Thundercat fans, right? Or He-Man and Transformer fans. And I and it had to have a lot to do with the television. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just how those how those shows were, were bought and programmed. 
I had to, I, I really think that, that it formed more of our play patterns than we'd like to admit on a, not even like, it's not even the shows themselves, right? It's just on a, on a very basic dollars and cents level. Right. Both, both of these shows from Marvel. So well, they're going to cut me a 10% deal. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. where I, where I grew up, GI Joe came on at three. And so I could only, best I could do was get off the bus and just hustle to kick in my door and dive as onto much the of it as possible on the TV <laughs> and get like the last eight minutes of it. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mark, Mark was only there. He has all those public service announcements memorized. Man, but the rest I of I was being nice to kids. Oh, you got lived. where the PSAs, yeah. No, I was being nice to kids who lived near school just to try to wrangle an after-school invite while the thing was still on, right? I didn't like that kid. But come on. Hook oh, a brother man. up. <laughs> uh, what about, uh, what, what's his name again, Mark? Um, Tim Roberts? Tim Roberts. Did he live close to school? Man, he was dangerous even then, man. I... <laughs> stay away from Tim Roberts. He and I would fight. Uh, we were before we found out there was a comic shop in the small little Oregon town I grew up in. There was a comic shop that had like pull boxes and back issues. We didn't know that at the time. We just knew that the local Long's Drugs only got in one issue of GI Joe when the new one came out. So he and I would hawk that drugstore like crazy and each try to be the one to get the issue before the other guy got it. And <laughs> so <laughs> that was a very unhealthy young rivalry <laughs> based solely on supply chain. Who, uh, what do we know, right? Right. He's still after me, I think. <laughs> so, so really. As I mean, the producer of the show, Mark, I'm kind of hoping he's still after you. Well, yeah, I just, you know. <laughs> You you guys do you know do this and you're big stars. I'm the one actually putting my neck out, right? I'm the one who's who's sacrificing here. So I hope y'all appreciate that. I'm kind of hoping that the day that Tim Roberts just kicks that door in behind you, <laughs> right? That's the last one. Because that is the front door. Right. So, that's it'll a, be that quick. It'll be bam, dragged down, camera falls on its side. <laughs> and I'll just that's it. Just, I'll just cut him out and be like, well, folks, it finally happened. Tim Roberts has gotten Weber. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I'm I'm hoping that it happens on a Tuesday, some between nine and eleven. So, right I don't know Ray, if ratings will spike that episode or the next episode. But either way. <laughs> yeah. It will be my last contribution. Right. It'll be both. I think the folks will tune in to see the actual event and then they'll tune in for the memorial episode the next <laughs> I want to try to get uh Lenny Panzica, who designs the current uh classified line for Hasbro, is an old buddy and a fantastic guy and doesn't live too far away. So as often as Hasbro has stiff-armed our requests for interviews and invitations to roundtables and stuff, I would love to have Lenny just walk into my house in the background at one point. Just walk by, walk out. Not smile, not acknowledge the camera or anything. Just be like, in, out. Maybe leave with a soda from the fridge or something. <laughs> be we cannot acknowledge him, too? Yeah. Like it'll just, yeah. Just... Yeah. What? This doesn't happen on your channel, guys? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the live chat stream just be, was that Lenny? 
Yeah. And and Letty for for Halloween a few years ago was Road Warrior Animal, right? So there's oh, some nice. size. There's some size going on there. So yeah, if Lenny walked by with his salt and pepper beard and his gigantic shoulders, I don't think anybody would miss who that was in the background. Maybe I'll see if I've got enough pull to pull that off. It'd be worth it just to do it, right? Right, sure. Just go just, for it. I mean, just say, "Hey, brother, what are you doing from nine ten to nine twelve <laughs> next Tuesday Yeah, just night? that little. We just need you for that little. <laughs> and what's your favorite walk out cameo? Yeah, what's your favorite soda? There's a cold one in my fridge. Just walk in, grab just it, walk. Come out. on over, grab it, yeah. walk on out. That's all I need you just, to do. See if I can get that working. I think I'd like to see that happen. Oh my god! Uh, I mean, as funny as that would be, I, I think in the, in the uh, with the news from today of laying off that number of employees, maybe maybe uh, we off on that one. Yeah, maybe maybe I missed my window on that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to do that to Lenny. <laughs> maybe I missed my window. Lord Lord knows, talking to us seems to be something that they don't want to do at any level. So yeah. I yeah. I, uh, Feels like high school all over again. That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh. It's one of those things, you know. Uh, hey, I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If that's the choice I have to make between getting canned answers from people from corporate America versus having the honcho around every week, we're going to have the honcho around every week. And that's just without saying. There you just go. to get my, my cunning insider knowledge from seven years ago. <laughs> well, Mostly for the Tim Roberts stuff. Yeah, you know, and the cat. I got a cat that shows up now and then. Children who run up the stairs. It's a it's a circus, but it's my circus. You know, speaking of eyeballs, I uh, the 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 week that Mark's cat decided to make his first public appearance. Yeah, I, I took that episode. I snipped it down. I put a little short up with all of the the popular cat tags from YouTube, figuring that I would do. <laughs> Some dumb, you know, cat short. Yeah. And that would get us all kinds of unnecessary views. I did it for the very cynical reason of, of having this one 55-second bit of video just <laughs> explode on our channel and, and have a bunch of disgruntled cat fans. Yeah. Uh, what the hell's going on? And it turns out that that is, in fact, the single worst performing video on the entire Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the shorts thing is so weird. Like, I feel like if you're going to do the shorts thing, you have to do a channel that's just those. Like, I don't think those viewers translate. Like, they, you're not going to pick up a bunch of new viewers for your long videos <laughs> with those little 20 second shorts. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, right. it's right. So like, I, I think, like, with what we do, we do, you know, what, hour and a half to two hours. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's nope. just not, tra it doesn't translate. The people that watch the shorts, like that's the TikTok audience. So right. that's the scroll through real fast. Watch all these short videos. <laughs> that's the, it doesn't translate. Right. No, I'll throw one out once in a while when we have a, a good, good moment or something, but it's, they're few and far between that. I'm gonna I do put too. In yeah. I always do it just to try it. Like I always want to try the new things. I don't, you know, mm -hmm. like, let's just see, let's see what happens. But yeah, they, they didn't really do anything for me. So I, I don't know. We like I said, still haven't figured out YouTube. I don't know right. what I'm doing. <laughs> we, can, we can go like counterculture and just do all short clips. And then once in a while, mix in like a 19 hour show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if we can that really confused. 
Yeah. <laughs> the camera on full day. It's, yeah. As see, how, see how often Lenny comes into my house, like back for lunch, <laughs> say hi to the cat. It's just some some slow Sunday afternoon. You know, you're sitting around. You got your towel on from the shower, just sitting on the couch. <laughs> yeah. What is this guy doing? Right. Just being, what's that called? That's like IRL streaming in real life yeah. streaming. That's where you just have your stream running all day, just showing you living life. Right. <laughs> That's a thing. Right. <laughs> That's a thing. It's Big Brother without the drama. Yeah, unless Jennifer go. unless Jennifer Garner has a channel, I'm good, right? Like, I, I, don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to see Kevin Bacon. I'm going to guess that her channel would be sponsored by Capital One, though. So. Right? What, yeah, what's in my wallet? Right? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so, Dan, let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and give the people what they're here for. So... I've called, I've referred to it in conversations uh, with my, with my staff as Pixel Dan's Jonasons. <laughs> Amazing. Like yeah. The Jonasons, yeah. The which makes it sound like you've had an awakening in regards to the Jonas Brothers, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> to G.I. Joe and, and your sudden yes. uh, renewed interest in some of the, the great characters of the late 80s and uh, 90s. That's right. That's right. What, what brought this about, man? When did you decide, you know what? These are the guys. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that like in the early 90s, I did start getting some G.I. Joe figures. That whole thing started because my best friend in the neighborhood when I was a kid, he had a bunch of G.I. Joe figures. So my only experience playing with them when I was younger was going to his house and playing with them. And so I... I you know, I did think that they were cool. I liked the way that they moved. I always thought that was really cool. Right. And um, specifically, I really liked Range Viper. Now, maybe it's because he's got a skull head and that's like a, th I don't know. That's like a thing with me is the skull he's heads. Got, he's got kind of a He-Man vibe to him. He, yeah, but I always really liked the Range Viper figure. And he had a couple of them. And I remember one year, like, uh, he, like, gifted me one of his extra Range Vipers. And that was my first G.I. Joe figure, was a Range Viper. And I thought it was really, really cool. I thought it was awesome. Um, but that kind of brought on, like, for my birthday that year. And now we're in, like, the early 90s at this point. Um, like, I told people, like, this is when you're still, like, going to school and giving out invitations and you're having a birthday party. So people from school are coming to your birthday party. And I, I remember even specifically, it was like a skating rink birthday party, but I told everybody I wanted GI Joe's for my birthday. And so I got a bunch that year and this, this was year I got, so I got like, I got heavy duty with like the big gun rig missile yep. launchers. I got sci-fi with like the silver helmet that uh, black, black. He's like black and everything. Right. That sci-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, I had, I had the neon orange and green bat, the Cobra bat, that version yeah. of bat. Yeah. He's a um, stealth, the stealth bat. No one sees him coming. Yeah. Very, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's see, that might've clicked something with the neons for me. I don't know. <laughs> but so like those were some of the first ones that I got and I got those in that era. And um, that kind of started building a small G.I. Joe collection for me as a kid. And um, then I remember really liking these dudes. 
I thought his outfit was the coolest. Like this design on this figure, I loved it as a kid. I thought it was so cool. Um, and so I kind of fell in love with those ninjas. And then specifically, like, I remember, I remember the commercials for the shadow ninjas. Oh yeah. And thinking mm -hmm. it was the coolest thing ever. Like, I got to let you know, like, I like gimmicks. I like translucent toys and i like that whole like turning invisible gimmick i thought it was cool so that spoke to me as a kid and um let's go getting getting hit with cold water and changing color is pretty badass it's mm -hmm. crazy right so like i got that snake eyes as a kid i started getting some of those other ninjas i had slice i remember specifically the red one with like the fencing mask <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I, I started getting a lot of the ninja ones and I thought that they were really cool. And so like, that's why I do have a bit of the nostalgia for that era of GI Joe. And I also relate that to just the other toys that I liked. I mean, come on, like I grew up in with masters of the universe and Ninja Turtles, and these are all a bunch of brightly colored weirdos. Right. And mm -hmm. that's always been my aesthetic. And so like now when you're introducing this sort of stuff with GI Joe, all of a sudden that's like, that's speaking to me, you know, and it's, I know it's a little less military. It's a little more, I don't know, ninjas with neon colors, which totally is counterintuitive to being a ninja, but <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fun. And, and that's what kind of spoke to me. And then bringing it back to video games, obviously I was huge into street fighter and mortal Kombat when those games hit. So then all of a sudden when we're getting action figures of street fighter characters that just happened to be GI Joe's, I, I was all in, I needed the street mm -hmm. fighter figures, you know, just because I love the video game so much. So I had all of the street fighter figures from the GI Joe line, at least all the basic ones. I didn't get the vehicles and stuff. Right. And, and so that was basically my experience with GI Joe as a kid. So as a collector, um, like it's always been one of those things where like I always admired that stuff, but my focus always kind of stayed on completing my He-Man collection, completing, you know, getting all the Ninja Turtle stuff that I wanted, all these things that are sort of related to He-Man, like those always stayed my focus as a toy collector, as an adult. Um, but I mean, like, it's just, I, every time I saw those crazy pink card backs at conventions, I would always stop and look at those figures. I, I just always like, I don't know. I, there was a draw for me. Right. And I just always looked at them well, and every, every dealer table had that long box and you'd just, you'd almost see them glowing out of the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they always were fairly cheap, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, know, so I always looked at them and I'm like, should I No, I probably don't need to. And, and so I never really did, but I, uh, on my channel, I really kind of went in pretty hard in the last year on a toy hunting series. Um, and it was just one of those new things I wanted to try with my channel where I did like a, a like a, I made it very episodic and I wanted there to be like an underlying kind of like journey that I was going on through my videos. And when I started it, like people responded to it pretty quickly. And I was like, okay, like I'm having fun making this. People seem to want to watch this. I'm going to stick with this for a while. Let's see where this goes. And so I decided like, okay, I need like, I need a thing. I need a thing. There needs to be a story arc for my year of toy hunts. Maybe it's Ninja Force time. Maybe it's time to go in and start buying GI Joe. And so I, I kind of started it early on and did it in a couple episodes. And like, 
the audience loved it. Like they got so happy about me buying GI Joe figures that like they really started egging it on, you know? And so it became fun for me because now I'm like, at these toy shows and I'm starting to pay attention to stuff that I didn't really focus on too much before. And all of a sudden things felt exciting again. They felt like fresh and new and fun. And I didn't know what I was going to run into. And it blew up into more like, I wasn't just buying Ninja force figures. I started buying all kinds of GI Joe figures that I thought looked cool. You know, like I pretty quickly got a uh, big boa. I pretty quickly got Crocmaster. I, you know, I got Serpentor with his air chariots. I got Galobulus. I got all the weirdos because I yeah. thought they're, I don't know. I think they're so cool. And so it just became this fun, exciting thing for me because like I said, it's just, it feels new and different and something I haven't really explored in all these years as an adult toy collector. Mm -hmm. And it seems like people were really enjoying it. You know, like I, now I'm at a point where like, I'm going to conventions and people are showing up at my table and they're like, you ever seen this figure before? I want to put it in your collection. You know, like stuff like that's happening all of a sudden where people are like pushing me to buy the eco warriors and, you know, right. doing that kind of thing. <laughs> like that's become a thing. And it's, it's just been a real fun interaction with the audience that has just made the toy collecting fun and exciting. And that's what it's all about, right? Like, it's just all mm -hmm. about having fun and enjoying it. Uh, you, you threw them a curveball, so now they're excited again. That's mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they, it's like they've been waiting. <laughs> they've been waiting for right. me to do something like this. Come on, Jimin. Right? <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how much I like the irony that the G.I. Joe subset that really spoke to a Masters of the Universe kid was the first one with less articulation. Right? Isn't that wild? <laughs> like, I don't even... Like, <laughs> I mean... You dial I guess this down a little bit. And, and, I guess it didn't uh, bother me, right? Because I, I was used to it. <laughs> so I guess it didn't bother me. Right. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. And it's funny, though. Like, uh, there's always, like, that little bit of, like, nervousness. Like, when you feel like an outsider stepping into a new world, right? Mm -hmm. And plus, like, because I'm, like a YouTube personality. I honestly was a little like the community might actually not want me here. Right. <laughs> like I, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. You know what I mean? So there was definitely a little bit of like, uh, we'll just see how it goes kind of a thing, but it's, it's been really amazing how supportive like everybody's been of the whole journey. And like, I do get the odd comment here and there where somebody is really mad at me that that's the version of GI Joe that I like. Right. And it's right. like, you know, like, I, I think I had one comment from a guy that was like, you're literally celebrating the thing that killed my childhood. Blah, blah. <laughs> and I was just like, that seems a little extreme, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. Um, but for the most part, like, it's been really amazing how so many people in, in the Joe community have been like, reaching out to me and, and you know, talk coming up to me at shows and talking to me. Uh, to the extent that, like, I was a show guest at Toylanta this year, which is typically a pretty Joe-heavy convention. Mm -hmm. And I was a show guest at the DFW GI Joe action figure show down in Texas. And next year, I'm going to be at Joe Fest. They've reached out to me and they want me to come out to Joe Fest next year. And right. I just think it's it's awesome that, like, I'm getting these opportunities to, like, expand a little bit and, and step into these different worlds and experience 
experience this toy line in my own way, but I'm experiencing this toy line and the community, and it's been a lot of fun. I like, oh, just one thing you touched on that I really like, it might be my favorite thing about collecting, is that nobody defines what you need in your collection or when yes. your collection is complete or what's missing beyond yourself, right? That's Maybe right. you only That's collect right. Cobra or I collect pretty much anything, three and three quarter Joe, but not Cobra Law. I didn't like it as a kid. I saw it yeah. on the shelf and had money and didn't buy it, right? So, you were like, what is this? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a it. snake. Yeah, I don't. How do you pose that guy? Come on. Now. <laughs> I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. And therefore it's not missing from my collection, right? Whereas some people would, would like I'm, Adam Riches, who does a lot of the card art for Joe these yeah. days, has 800 Royal Guards or something like that. Like oh, he, only wow, wants, awesome. he only wants that one guy, which yeah. is kind of ironic because he came in a three-pack. So you think about every one of his tag team partners somewhere out there in the wild <laughs> that oh, doesn't man. have a Royal Guard anymore because of Adam Riches. Or, oh. or let, me, let me do it right. This guy over here, He's got a hundred some odd beachheads and a, <laughs> amazing in an army on his shelf. So 129. Very nice, right? Like I that's what I love about collecting, right? You're Only totally you right. Know what you need, right? And that's and right. Nobody should be able to tell you different. I yeah, absolutely. I've always been a big believer, and it's always been the philosophy I've tried to share with everybody that there's no wrong way to collect. As long, I mean, as long as you're not hurting anybody, there's right. no wrong way well. to collect. And every toy that exists, every toy is somebody's favorite toy. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what it is, right? Like every toy can be somebody's favorite. So, like, just like the things that you like. Don't let anybody tell you that you're wrong for collecting things that make you happy and make you excited. There was a guy on a, on a Transformers page back, back when I was working on the Transformers brand who was a Beast Wars fan, right? He was just yeah. Beast Wars for life. And a lot of G1 Transformer fans like myself didn't care so much for Beast Wars, right? Transformers is back, but it's totally different from what we yeah. love. Truck so not monkey, a, right? Truck not monkey, right? So, but <laughs> usually it's just you know an internet fight and it doesn't go anywhere. But this right. guy, he just said, "Look, I get you G oneers are only ever gonna like Optimus and Cliff Jumper and Starscream and da 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 da." da. And he said, "But I, you know, I was born in 1990, right? I was eight, where I was six when Beast Wars came on. Right. That and there wasn't any Transformers before that." So Beast Wars is my G1. It was my introduction to the universe. And that's why it'll always be my favorite, no matter what you old guys say. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, right. you know what? I never heard it better than that one guy on a message board who just went, dig it. I fell in love with Transformers the exact same way you guys did, just in a different era. And different I'm like, era. I'm like, Man, you know what? That respect. is so right. And I mean, like you talked about earlier, you mentioned how Ninja Turtles has like never gone away, right? Ninja Turtles has reinvented itself essentially since it, it debuted. It's been something new. So like every generation has their version of the Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. And I'm really experiencing that now as a father 
who has two young kids, my youngest is obsessed with the new Mutant Mayhem movie, the current movie. That is his Ninja Turtles. Right. And it's to the point where like he, when he looks at my Ninja Turtles, he questions why they don't look the way his right. Ninja Turtles look. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know. I think that's one of those things too. Like being a parent really kind of made me much more aware to that sort of thing too. Like when you have young kids experiencing their things their way, like I, I always like wanted to try really hard not to force my stuff on my kids. Right. Like, of course mm -hmm. I was going to show them He-Man. Of course I was going to show them, but I didn't want them to like, I didn't want to force them to like it because dad likes it. I wanted them to have their own things that they liked. And um, you know, like my oldest son, he never cared about He-Man but he found Ben 10 and that's like his thing. And when I watch how excited he is with Ben 10, I see myself as a kid excited about He-Man. Like it's really cool just to watch these different generations. Like you said, they have their own versions of this stuff and that's, what's going to matter to them. That's what's going to be their introduction to these mm -hmm. brands that have lived on all these years. And all of it is right. All of it is right. There's no wrong in any of that. And there's almost no better joy as a as a collector than sharing what you loved with your kids Absolutely. and then see, seeing where it goes. And, and neither yes. of my kids were that big into G.I. Joe, but my daughter is crazy for Marvel Comics. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. And, yeah. and my son became a much bigger Transformers fan than I ever was. Oh, so, see, that's great. That's great. Cool. Yeah, I like I like introducing them to things I loved or love. And then see if it resonates, right? Right, yeah. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah, Derek's a huge fan of G1 Megatron. My son <laughs> took to a uh, Christian summer camp, decided to take one of Dad's Transformers uh -oh. with him. And I, I found this out when he came back and hadn't cleaned out his backpack for a couple days. So I was cleaning out his backpack. And there in the bottom, the bottom of the backpack, was a G1 Megatron oh. broke, broke it into 8 billion pieces by oh. all the school books and stuff that were on top of it. Oh, no. And I was, and this, my initial reaction was like, what the hell? And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> if that pretty realistic looking Luger pistol got broken <laughs> on the way to church camp, <laughs> that's probably the best possible outcome. <laughs> here, <right? laughs> Rather than Derek waving around. <laughs> Oh no! I'm like, really good looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. I say actually, you know what? Matter of fact, he's within reach for because he's just such good comedy. He's just in a bag, but oh, look at that! That's that's what's <laughs> left of my Megatron. But oh, but at yeah. least you do have like this story that goes with it, right? Yeah, like, sometimes I mean, it paid for itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> And that original Megatron was such a bad toy from a robot perspective. Right. I didn't, bo I didn't bother trying to replace him. I'm like, yeah, he's expensive. He wasn't much fun even back then. So <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Right. His, his, his tiny arms and his huge head and his. Well, not just his head. And his unfortunately placed trigger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, yep. yeah, not, not a ton of playability in old Megatron there. Just as a pistol, just as a really realistic pistol that we didn't know it back then would become a rare thing in about five years, right? Right. So. right. Within you within never. That's 
amount of time. So many things, so many things that you just never, <laughs> it's like you look back sometimes and you're just like, I had no idea that this was going to be the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that like, yeah. At some point, I'll probably glue him back together as a pistol. Because that'll probably work, right? But he'll never be a robot again. But he never really was a robot before. So, <laughs> no great loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember, uh, when we were kids, there were just a, a lot of a lot of days where, like, you know, you know, because because Rob and I did not double up on Transformers. We kind of had the big combined assemblage. Like, no, we never we never both got the same guy. Mm -hmm. And. um Amazing how Megatron was just never in the conversation. Right. It's like, hey, you know what? Uh, maybe you should get him, Rob. Well, no, no. Maybe you, Mike. Right. Yeah, you heckle and jekyll the Megatron. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> I think we're just going to have a couple couple days where a, sh where a sound wave's running the show. I think he's... Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys have a really angry star scream in the collection? That Megatron wasn't even there, but he wasn't in charge? No. I can totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, strange as it sounds, uh, between the two of us, no seekers. None, huh? None. Hmm. none. I, I was not a huge Transformer toy guy. I, as much as I watched, I loved watching the show, but then you'd get the toys in your hands, and it would be like, well, this is a very cool-looking shiny brick that I can move his arms, and that's all. And then, you know, they were they were almost universally all better as vehicles. Than they were as robots, and I I needed it to be the other way around. Right? Did you guys have Jetfire? Because he's yeah. the mold, the mold breaker, right? Yes. Yeah. Jetfire was was flat out awesome. Yeah. There, there's a few of them in that run that are that are really good. That that you know, like Optimus was real good. Shockwave was great. Jetfire was great. Uh, Soundwave was pretty good. So that like it's, but for the most, you get any smaller than those guys, and and the the technology was just wasn't there to make them. Yeah. <laughs> The sadness of Soundwave was that he aged terribly because his knees bent the wrong way. <laughs> so after about a year of good play, oh, he's a great character. Leans, yeah. leans forward, yeah. No, he, he falls back like a baby oh. falling down, right? Just flat <laughs> on his butt. Like, all right. Kind of cooler on the cartoon, <laughs> Soundwave, than you are falling like a baby on my show. <laughs> Uh, the other thing which we constantly veer off into tangents, uh, which I know you'll have some thoughts on. Okay. Especially with, with Mark and myself and, and even Joe Colton when she's around. Uh, we, we are wrestling honks at What's On Joe Mind. Nice. And I know this is a subject that is near and dear to your heart because on weekends you are often moonlighting as... The Spotlight Spencer Powers. No. <laughs> yep. That's uh, right. <laughs> until recently, you held the the championship belt in. I I don't want to screw up the name of your federation. Uh, it, I held the title at Pinfall Wrestling Association. Um, that was a little over a year ago. I still had I had that title. Um, and actually, I haven't worked since May. I'm kind of trying to figure out if I'm winding down a little bit. I don't know. But I I uh, yeah, I've been working on the independent wrestling scene since I was 20 years old. Um, basically shortly after high school, I went and went to school to be a pro wrestler. And then I spent most of my twenties specifically every weekend. I was traveling around Illinois, Indiana, those areas, working shows, working wrestling shows. 
And it's just been always one of those things I love and I passionate about. It's my, one of my other passions. I love pro wrestling. And, you know, as I, as I got a little older, it, like I just kind of moved it down to like, I would still work once a month here at the local company and yeah, still, I still like, even right now it's been several months since I've worked, but I like, man, I've got the itch. Like I want to do it more. It's, it's, it's hard to not do it. <laughs> Right. I mean, you, you say that you're, you're starting to wind it down and I, I do have to remind you that younger than us can still be old. Ah, yeah. That I was going to say like the, the, so here's, here's the, the weird scenario that you're in, right. As a wrestler, as a pro wrestler in that industry, like I'm 42 right now, almost 42, I'll be 42 in March. And uh, all of a sudden you're looking around and you're in the locker room with 20 year olds, right. Mm -hmm. All the other, all the other guys wrestling are, 20, 21, 22, 23. And, yep. and when you, when you start, when you start having scenarios where other guys in the locker room come up to you and they say, man, I used to watch you when I was a kid. And I just want to say that like, it's really cool being in a locker room with you now. It's like, no, stop. Don't what? Don't say things <laughs> like that to me. What is going on right now? Cause that, that happened. That started happening. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, man, kids, that were coming to these local shows are now trained wrestlers. Like they watched us and then they grew up and got into it. And it's like, Oh, this is so crazy. Like thinking about stuff like that. And yeah. Like also like uh, the older you get, the more it hurts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like you wake up a lot more sore the next day right. than I did when I was 22 years old and doing it. So um, plus, you know, obviously I've got a lot going on these days too. And, I got a wife and two young kids and I'm trying to do a YouTube thing and I'm writing books and I still have a day job and um, it's a lot. I wear a lot of hats, but uh, <laughs> it is something that I, I love. I love it. I got to imagine the worst thing to hear in the locker room from a 22 year old is, hey, I got an idea for the match tonight. How about oh, yeah, a pile yeah. driver from the apron through a table? What do you think? It'll be great. That's the thing, man. Oh, man. I, I like... I don't want to get into that whole like argument, but man, some of these younger guys got to slow down, right? <laughs> slow it right. down. Quit with the high spots. Let's tell a story. Let's tell right. a story. Yeah, that, yeah. That's going to be the other side of it is that you're at, at your age, your brain has probably never been so good at telling a story in the ring. Right. And, and there's just, you know, your body just, you can't keep up with all the stuff that you want to do. And then again, I'm not sliding you. It's just no, just no life kind of stuff. You're just, you can't keep up with 32 year old pixel Dan. You start, you start to work safer, right? I mean, look at, look at any, even pro on TV who is in their forties. You can tell that they have figured out how to work safer and smarter, right? Mm -hmm. You stop taking ridiculous bumps when you don't have to, you stop right. doing 50 high spots in a match right. just to show people that you can do it just mm -hmm. to do a train wreck spot, you know, like, yeah, you work safer and you work smarter because that's how you're going to get to keep wrestling. Like some of these kids don't realize that like they're going to wreck their bodies and be ready to retire at 30 years yeah. old. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I got, I have mad respect for anybody who actually did it. Right. Cause I'm just a fan, right. Never, mm -hmm. never even thought about getting into it. Just have enjoyed it pretty much my whole life. And, and the question I love, and we asked this from, uh, uh, from the wrist lock, Wes Whitlock was what's the worst bump you ever took. 
I love that. Oh, what's the worst bump that I ever took? Because usually there's no thought. Usually we just get exactly what it was. I know. And it's like, I'm, let me, yeah, because I've definitely taken some, some gross bumps before. Like, and and it's, it's, it's always went wrong. It can be one that went right and still hurt. Yeah. I was going to say, and, and the weird thing about wrestling too is the stuff that always hurts the most is always the stuff that like doesn't even look crazy or like, uh, you know, like was, was an accident or, you know what I mean? Like it, it's always like, I always got hurt doing the simple stuff. I never got hurt doing the big stuff. It was so weird. Um, so I guess one of the, uh, a bump that I, I hated taking that sucked was I was working a ladder match and uh, we did this spot. Like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like, like, you know, Christian cage, right? Christian, you know, his kill switch finisher where like he spins the guy and drops. So I, I hit a guy with that move off the top of a ladder and the way we did it, right. The way we did the spot is we were both climbing up the ladder and we did the top, got to the top of ladder traded blows. I hit him with a big elbow. He spun around and I, I hooked him right off the top of the ladder. And then we both jumped off the ladder sideways and spun in the air. And I hit that move. And just that from that height coming down together, (laughs) that splat together, I remember hitting that and just like, I didn't want to get up. I was like, (laughs) we just both kind of laid there. It sucked for both of us. The crowd popped huge. Crowd right. popped huge. So we were like, like, I remember laying there and I remember, I just remember him going, Hey, at least listen to them. Like, at least listen right. to them. like they're happy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Can we rest for a bit? Like, I don't want right. to get up. Was yeah, it so just, that, just you two in that match? It was just, it was just the two of us okay. in that particular match. It was like a one-on-one ladder match. Um, I remember one of the things that really sucked. And this is one of those like moments where I got injured and uh it was like a total accident thing but like i did a springboard over the top rope dive mm-hmm. onto a bunch of guys who didn't catch me oh. and when when the guys aren't there to catch you the right way like that's when that gets risky and it was a weird thing where like i knew that i wasn't being caught but i i still didn't like i i didn't take the the bump clean and i put my foot down so like the ball of my foot smacks the concrete floor because there's no pads. No indie wrestling. There's not always pads, right. and it smacks the concrete floor. And I knew immediately. Like I felt this pain in my foot that like I was like, oh no, oh no, like that's that can't be good. I, I hobbled back up. I was able to finish the match, but I like I could not walk on my foot. I got backstage and I took my boot off, and my foot went. It just oh, got it massive. It swelled up so huge. So I ended up like, it wasn't like a break, but it was like a severe bruise and possibly a crack on like oh, right in the ball of my foot. And yeah. uh, like, I actually had to go to the doctor for that and get like scans and they put me on crutches for six weeks. It, it was brutal. And that's one of the most painful things I, I experienced, I think. I remember Taz saying on commentary once that when the guy took a superplex and his leg, his feet hit really hard. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He oh. Called out and he said, your heels 
takes so much damage and nobody talks about it, right? I thought that was, right. that was really good insight from a guy who obviously did it at a very high level. Sure. So if you ever watch, like when you take a suplex, you're supposed to land with your feet flat. When you're taking mm -hmm. the move, you come around and your feet hit flat-footed on the ground. Because if you keep your feet pointed up and your heels are hitting the mats, yeah, that's going to hurt and you can really mess up your foot. And then especially right. when you're coming from that height, like superplexes do always suck. Those always hurt. Anytime right. you're falling off the top rope, it never doesn't hurt. I'm telling oh. you, that, that move sucks. And yeah, if you're coming down and your heels are banging, oh, that's... Yeah, that's brutal. That hurts thinking there, about it. <laughs> there was one I remember a few a uh, few months ago with uh, Finn Balor, who's one of my favorites, and usually smooth and 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 safe. Yeah, but yeah. he he superplexed Cody Rhodes, and it was that ba bump uh -huh. when you have the double oh, the lamb, yeah. bottom out the ring. Mm. It didn't yeah. look that bad, but immediately I, I forget if it was Booker T or whoever was on commentary was like, "Oh, that's not that's what you want right there." Yeah, yeah, when you when you have that double bump sound, that second guy usually gets the wind knocked out of him because the first guy's getting the actual like you know and he's bottoming out the ring, so then you're hitting it and ooh, so that's oh, yeah, that's that's no good. <laughs> when we talked to uh, to uh, ask Wes off the air of the wrist lock, uh, the worst he ever took, he said, "I'll tell you the worst one I didn't take <laughs> was." working on the indies in maryland i think he was facing a tag team i forget their name and they said well and then we'll hit you with our finish and he's like okay well, what's the finish they call it we call it the iced tea and basically <laughs> it, it was a two-man razor's edge so they're both holding you up so they hold one arm each or something yeah so you're basically crucified eight feet in the air and then oh. they just bring you down and, and he was like yeah cool we're not doing that <laughs> that's see that's the kind of stuff that scares me too because like already the razor's edge is like all right can you actually hit that move right like i don't know if yeah. i you know because that's like uh that's a ooh, yeah yeah there's yeah. a lot of strength there like people forget because he used to hang out with kevin nash scott hall was a humongous individual he's yeah. yes he's he right. was huge yeah. yeah he's six seven six eight in his own right so when that dude like he was clearly very strong and could lift most uh, most guys up like that to where he, they right. would their bodies would clear him when they went over, and most guys trying to do that move are not nearly that big. dude. Yeah, you right. don't want to get dropped like right on the back of your neck, or you know what I mean. Like yeah. ugh, you gotta they gotta be able to like throw you out, right. <laughs> so you land clean, right? It, it, unless you're just super ginormous, just don't yeah. do the razor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> bad, plan. bad plan. So uh, we we know uh, you are. Uh, pseudo famous for getting roughed up by Becky Lynch that one night. Oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I did some extra work for WWE uh, on a couple occasions, um, but that particular night, I actually got to like be on TV as security. You know, because they, if anybody doesn't know, I remember so many people were like, "How did this even happen?" But like, that's what when WWE comes to town, they hire local workers. Right. to be extras in case they have a scenario where they need guys that know how to take bumps and do right. stuff or know the business. You know what I mean? Look, so um, guys in the, in the, in the WWE black polo shirts are yes. usually local, local exactly. talents. 
Anytime you see security or a ref that is there, that's not like a typical ref, but he's there just to get beat up or any, they're local guys, they're local wrestlers. And so like, I got the opportunity, I worked a SmackDown and we had a segment where I was one of those black polo shirt security guys. And we were in charge of a segment with uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And this was on like Becky's WrestleMania rise. So yeah. this was awesome. Cause this was in March that white hot run to yes to yes yeah so we're 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 in march so this is right before wrestlemania and like her segment was like a promo with her and charlotte that turned physical and so then like refs came out first and tried to separate them and then they kept fighting and then here comes us black polo shirt guys to try to separate them and becky lynch grabbed me and slammed me into the barricade and it was awesome <laughs> It was, I'm not even going to lie. It was awesome. Uh, that was one of those, that was a cool moment too, because like peeking behind the curtain a little bit, right. We all, we all know, and it's been long enough now. I think it's okay. All right. But like when we went through the segment, the whole, basically all we were supposed to do is like, okay, you guys run out there, pull them apart, have them break away and fight each other a little bit more then pull them apart again. We get them backstage end a segment. Like that's basically what we were supposed to do. We're in gorilla position, like right before the segment starts and Becky's getting ready to go out and she turns around and she comes up to me and she goes, can I throw you into the barricade when you come out there? <laughs> and I said, I'll be wherever you need me to Becky. Absolutely. Whatever you need from me, I'm there for you. But she's yes, like, okay, great. Yeah. When the man asks to throw when the you. the man asks you. Yeah, yeah, dude. So. A barricade. <laughs> I just remember like I went running out there and I, I went straight. I beeline straight for her. Cause I was like, I want her to throw me in this barricade since she asked me about it. So I beeline straight for her, you know, and we start pulling her apart and she just grabs right onto me, slams me in that barricade. I took the full back bump into it. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So right. I took the full back bump and you know, it's, it's WWE. So everything's nice and padded and feels good, but it makes that awesome thud boom crowd reacts i'm laying on the ground i'm like i gotta try not to smile because i feel real good about this right now. <laughs> I tell you, man, the look on your face i've seen some of the stills from that yeah like you're selling it you you are going oh shit this is gonna happen now yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> dude it was so fun i got backstage and my phone had exploded i had so many <laughs> texts and tweets and facebook's like people like was that pixel dan was that pixel dan <laughs> it, was just, it was awesome it was cool it was did, cool. did you get to talk to becky afterwards i did yeah like she came as soon as the segment was over she came backstage and walked straight up to me and like we shook hands and she thanked me and we chatted for a little bit and then she just went on about her day but yeah. she was super cool super cool it was a great experience the whole thing was awesome and like I said, I got to do it a couple times. So I, I've actually done extra work uh, a few times now. Um, and actually, I just I can even talk about this because by the time this airs, it will have already aired. Um, they actually WWE just actually hired me to come out and be a talking head on one of their TV shows, one of their oh, Peacock right. shows. Yeah, um, it's about toys. It's about wrestling toys. So um, that actually airs at the end of December on Peacock. So it will have already aired <laughs> by the time people yes. see this, right. but uh, it was very, it's very cool. Like kind of getting to do some stuff like that with WWE. It's been awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, 
their TV production team is top notch. So I'm sure. Oh, there was amazing. Oh, it was such a cool experience going into the studio and uh, just an, uh, just an awesome crew. And they were so fun. Like we seriously just, just like we're doing right now, we sat there all day, just talking about wrestling and talking about action figures and all those guys are just into the same stuff. It's amazing. Uh, I always like talking to guys who actually are in the business. Have your kid, how I don't know how old your kids are, but have they seen you wrestle live? Yes, they have. Um, and and my youngest specifically is he's like full on obsessed with pro wrestling right now. My oldest never really got super into it. He liked coming to watch me wrestle, but otherwise, like outside of that, like he never wanted to watch wrestling on TV with me or anything. Um, uh, my youngest is full on obsessed with Cody Rhodes right now. He just runs around the house pretending to be Cody Rhodes all the time. And we have to play the entrance music for him all the time. So that's actually really fun. It's really cool sharing that. Did, with him. did he ask for a regrettable neck tattoo for Christmas? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, not yet. At least <laughs> how much, how much did you smarten your kids up before they saw you actually compete live? So I, I was always really worried about that. Actually. I didn't want them to think daddy was getting hurt. So I, I was always really good about like introducing them to the guys that I was going to be working before the show so that they like, this is daddy's friend. We're going to like, what we're doing is just, you know, part of the show. We just, you know, daddy's okay. And I'm, I'm really lucky because they never, they never were worried about me and they actually like really like watching and cheering me on and everything, which is pretty cool seeing your kids yeah. out there like rooting for you and everything um so that's that's something that i really like and it's actually one of the things right now that i'm like kind of missing about like not doing it actively because they specifically keep asking when i'm going to do it again and mm -hmm. i kind of like want them to see me do it while i can some more you know so that's that's one of the pulls right now to like trying to pull me back to it <laughs> That's really cool. It totally makes sense too, right? Like yeah. when it's up when it's up to you on some level, when do you actually turn in your jersey if it's your call, right? It's That's hard. it's always it's hard. It's always been hard. And one of those things in wrestling, especially on the indies, is you always see so many guys who like retire, but then don't. They always come mm -hmm. back. So I always said, I am never, I'm never going to say that word. I'm never going to say that word. I don't want to be the guy who's like, goes out there and has a last match and cries in front of everybody, but then turns around and comes back in six months because I can't stay away from it. Like I just, right. so like, you know, I kind of made the decision earlier this year. I was like, well, I've got a really busy year this year with travel and everything. Maybe I should just kind of like round out what I'm currently doing and step away and we'll see how I feel. And that's kind of where I left it. So that's where I'm at right now. Now, when, when you get the urge, when the kids start asking you, is it because they're happy with you or is it because they're mad at you? Because they want to see their dad yeah. get beat up. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Could be a little bit. You may, you may want to take that into account. We need yeah. some context on these Yeah. These familial pulls there Dan. i think if but, the kids if the kids are pushing dad towards aew they probably want you to get hurt that's oh, what i think yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh man but, i don't think i could keep up with aew i i feel like i would not fit in <laughs> yeah i think old school is not not necessarily embraced uh down in jacksonville but so we we've we've got a a, a hint a hint of what Mark thinks of the current product that we see. 
damn near every night on our television, Dan. What what are you watching? What do you think of what's going on? So I uh it's it's hard to keep up with it all. There's so much wrestling on TV these days. Yeah. And I used to be such an adamant like every Monday for sure, every raw. I would always watch raw every time. And I just I can't keep up with it as much these days. So I feel like I take in so much of it through recaps and YouTube videos and new shows and stuff like that. But I always try to tune in for the premium live events as much as I can, the pay-per-views. Like I just watched Survivor Series and had a really good time watching Survivor Series. And um, the CM Punk thing at the end was mind-blowing to see actually actually happen. Um, I don't I think right now in the so I will say this, and like, and I know that we've kind of talked about like the style difference between AEW and WWE and everything, but as a, as a worker, I think the positive is that there are so many options for guys to get work right now. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's places for everybody to work and much like in toy collecting, I think that there are, there's room for all these different types of wrestling, even if it's not for me, obviously there's, there's appeal to other people there's room for old school storytelling there's room for comedy wrestling there's room for high spots so like even if it's not something i care about i'm glad that it exists i'm glad that there's other promotions out there and places for a lot of these guys to get jobs i think that's awesome um wwe is still probably what i pay attention to the most that being said um that's still kind of my preferred style and I think right now they've got like a lot of big players. Like they've, we've definitely gone through some periods where like you look at it and you're like, who are the top stars? There's not as many top stars, but like just looking at survivor series alone, like obviously you've got, you got like, you got Roman Reigns, you got Cody Rhodes, who's still on fire, which like mm-hmm. I was worried that they made a mistake, not putting that strap on him at mania last year, but like, he's still like the hottest thing going. So Maybe right. that'll all pan out good, right? But, you know, Seth Rollins is awesome. And now CM Punk is back. And, like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of, like, high profile. Randy Orton just came back, and he's amazing. Randy's awesome. Um, there's a lot of high profile guys right now. And I think that, like, this could be a really exciting era as long as it all, like, gets booked properly, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think that's the the biggest change in the last year and a half, and there's a yeah. very very definite line as far as when that sort of thing happened. But the top yes. of the WWE card is is much deeper now than it was in 2021. Right? You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. A year or two ago, yeah, it didn't look like this, and mm-hmm. that was like that stood out to me like at Survivor Series because just seeing that that War Games match at the end, all those guys, plus then CM Punk came back, you're like whoa look at all of this (laughs) like there's a lot of legit superstars there right now which was definitely something that felt like it had been lacking and i get i get excited when i see the next guys right gunther yeah and braun breaker and uh austin theory if they'd ever start using him correctly again right like i like seeing those next a-listers as they develop that's exciting because for a long time it felt like they didn't have any of those guys who might be the next guy and now they got three or four or they found those guys they would they would give them their their month-long push and then forget about them yeah that's what it always felt like you know they were always so hung up on the old names 
cycling in the old names, the old superstars. And it always felt a little off because like, of course, you'd get excited when you see Stone Cold pop up and do something. But then when he's standing in the ring next to the guy that's supposed to be like coming up and he is like the balance is so off. It's like it's a glaring problem that they're not building got these guys up the proper way. Right. Like they're relying yeah. too heavily mm-hmm. on nostalgia, <laughs> like, yeah. like everything else these days. Right. right. Relying too heavily That's on nostalgia true. rather than creating new superstars. New stuff, so hopefully, right? hopefully we're on that path now. Hopefully yeah. we're on that path. I just, I, I think it two, two years ago, that run that Keith Lee was on where he was yeah. the second to last guy out at survivor series. Mm-hmm. And that shows up in the rumble and actually gives Brock Lesnar all he can handle before they, but in ultimately at the end, he gets dumped out. Right. So like it, it's like that was your guy and you missed it. And it was just like he was just the last guy in a long string of about five years that they refused to to let ascend to that next level. I know. And just, that's just not how it's done right now. I remember getting really, really excited for guys like Shinsuke Nakamura. I thought for sure he was like, oh man, this dude's a rock star. He's so fun to watch. And it just, it, it, it hurt watching them not put him where it felt like he needed to be. And I'll say the same thing for Finn Balor originally, right? Like when Finn first came, got called up from NXT and like they, they, they put that, he won the undisputed belt, right. And got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they just said, well, he's done. They they gave up, right? And it sucks because right. Finn is so good. So mm-hmm. good. And especially at that moment, man, the demon stuff was exciting when he would pull that out. And it felt like he was going to be the guy. And then it just kind of got pulled out from underneath him. So it was frustrating watching again, a lot of that stuff. Again. <laughs> huh? Over and over. They jumped oh, over the- and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They jumped the demon out to a ring rope, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think you and I are not too far off, Dan, because I I what frustrates me about AEW is I wanted it to be better. I wanted it. I want oh, sure. it to be a better alternative. And the one thing that turns me off, comedy match, totally fine. I'm I'm fine with all different styles of wrestling, but when it's open, so open, uh where where the guys are working together so obviously. Right, where, where it feels choreographed, time. it feels like they're going through the motions, they're going through yeah. their spots. That's like that's they, always they, they don't even care how much yeah. it looks like they're helping each other. And then and the idea that you'll have a match where I'll hit you with my finish, go for the pin, you kick out, we oh, go 10 yeah. more minutes, and then yeah. I pin you later on, right? And it was like, couldn't we just have had if I was gonna go over clean? Couldn't we have just gone with, I hit you with my finish, go for the pin right away, and yeah. that's the end? Yeah. Why is that extension better other than to make my finisher look weak? Like, kicking I out a, I know, kicking out of finishers is one of the things that's always kind of driven me nuts about modern era of wrestling. Because, yeah. it, you know, it's that it's that thing that, like, it devalues it, right? It stops, mm-hmm. it stops being your finisher if you're not finishing your match with it <laughs> yeah, i've, I've so, always believed know. if if i hit you with my finish and go for the pin right away i get you every time unless it's the king blow off match right the unless the story here. unless the story dictates right. that we, we 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 do a couple of 
falsies and some kickouts yeah. on the finishes to get the crowd excited. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We That's do, my philosophy too. But <laughs> we, you used to see that pop, right? If Austin mm -hmm. hit angle with the stunner and went for the pin and angle kicked out, the crowd lost their mind. And now right. it's like, now they're expecting the kick. Now out. they expect it. I know. That's the problem. Because, and that, yeah. That's not their fault, right? We've trained them to expect the kick out, which exactly. doesn't help anybody. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I agree. Not. <laughs> the, the advice from the—I'll uh, bring him up again. The great Scott Hall. He never dragged out the, uh, never dragged out the razor's edge unless it was a match he was scripted to win. Yeah. So you never oh, saw, yeah. you never saw anybody kick out of the razor's edge. It was he used to he used to laugh about it and call it the most protected move in the business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would rather not hit my finish. Right, then hit it and have someone kick out of it. If if I'm if I'm going for the pin right away, right? If we're exhausted and I get it, and it's eight seconds before I get to you, fine, totally fine, right? But bam, hook the leg. That's a three. It's gotta be. Right. Yeah. We don't. We, don't, yeah. we also don't make nearly as much of uh, the rope break as we used to either. And I, I like that's that's the easy way out of all those finishing moves, right? Yeah. 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 Rope Other, break, yeah. yeah rope or, or the leg up yep goes under the rope or it's just something you know and, yep. and they, they refuse to use that so often <laughs> so dan we're going to give you a couple minutes here i want you to do do some humble brag oh yeah okay we're, we're going to stay on the wrestling track a little bit it's the most famous guys you've been in the ring with uh well uh i guess probably the most current famous guy i've been in the ring with i last year i worked a match with matt cardona uh you know Nice. Super cool guy, major wrestling figure podcast. Obviously, got to give those guys a major shout out too because they put me in their major Bendy's toy line. So that's oh. another <laughs> weird thing. Like, I my first ever action figure that I've ever got is of me as a wrestler, which was like coming full circle for me. Right? It was like really crazy that that happened. So that is that is badass, but it's amazing. Yep. It was just a really cool moment. So uh, had a ton of fun working with Matt. He's super professional. So gosh, so smart and so over right now. Like got to be one of the smartest guys in the business. Seriously. Um, I, I guess probably most famous historically wise is I actually worked a whole like three match feud with cowboy Bob Orton. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer, cowboy Bob. Um, he's from kind of the area. He lives in St. Louis. Yeah. So he actually worked around here pretty regularly um, so yeah, I worked, I've worked with Cowboy Bob multiple times. Uh, he's also a great guy. It was really great kind of working with him. And, uh, that was one of those things where like, I remember being the first time I got in the ring with him, it was, I was nervous. Um, and like, usually like there's always like butterflies in wrestling, but usually once I go through the curtain and step in the ring that goes away and I'm fine. Cause like, I'm comfortable in the ring and I'm good with what I'm doing. But like, this is like, this felt like, like I was stepping in the ring with a guy from another era, mm -hmm. uh, major superstar. The world knows this guy. He was at the first WrestleMania. I mean, I didn't know what to expect with him and he did work different than a lot of guys that I worked with. You know what I mean? Like just, and he was very much a, uh, let's call it in the ring pal. You know, okay. like we, we knew our, we knew our finish, but otherwise we were just going to go out there and work. And uh, I prefer that a lot of times. I, I I prefer to like 
know my spots, but like, I don't want to plan everything if I can like go out there. Cause I, uh, one of the things that I was really trained was important is to listen to the crowd. Right. And, and mm -hmm. like, if you're just going through your script, it may not necessarily match up with what the crowd's reacting to. And you need to like feed off of that and give them what they want. Right. So that was always, that's always been my thing. But like, you know, with Bob, it was like, cool. I really have no idea what's going to happen when I get in the ring with this guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he ended up being one of the easiest guys to work with. And, um, you know, he's, it was, he was light. It was easy. Um, super fun. I took his superplex off the top rope go. a couple times, which was awesome. <laughs> Saying that I've taken the cowboy Bob superplex, you know, but and he had to be what in his, is at least his late fifties at that point. So yeah. Uh, sixties, I think, uh, Ooh, I remember, yeah, I remember, uh, I remember in the, in a match in the match with him, one of the matches we had where we had a double down and we're both, you know, in the ring selling, he had just hit me with something. Cause I was working heel. And so he was like coming up for his fire up spot and the crowd is chanting, you still got it. You know, they're doing that whole thing. Right. And he's laying on the mat next to me and he goes, I hate when they say that. I hate it. <laughs> it makes me, it makes me feel so much older than I am. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just one of those moments where, like, like, cause he, he cracked me in the ring. Like, I'm like, I had to like right. roll over because I had a smile <laughs> on my face when he said that. Yeah, that's but yeah, yeah. Awesome. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen these clashes, but I gotta assume you worked the arm, right? Because I don't think that ever healed right. Yeah, right? I know. So that's the thing. I always, I was, I wanted him to have the cast, and he never used the cast. He doesn't do that anymore. Or at least he didn't uh, when he was working with us, so he never had the cast. I wanted it. I wanted it really bad. <laughs> um, I tagged with Billy Gunn one oh, time, awesome. and that was fun. That was another like one of those moments where, like, as a wrestler, you try not to be a mark, right? You try mm -hmm. not to like, like, because we're all coworkers. Don't mark out for these guys. But like, I was in high school in the '90s, and I was obsessed with Degeneration X, and I was obsessed with the New Age Outlaws, and I pretty regularly used to run around spouting off all of Road Dogs' catchphrases. Right. right. So when I found out that I was going to be tagging with Billy Gunn at a show, I remember I came in that day and like I asked the sound guy, I was like, "Hey, what music do you have us coming out to?" And they're like, "Oh, we're going to do the New Age Outlaws mu music," and I was like, "Cool." I was like, is it the, is it the music where it's already got like road dogs audio on there? And they're like, no, no, it's like, just, there's no audio. It's just the music. And I went, okay. And so then I went in the locker room and I met Billy Gunn, you know, and we talked and everything. And I, we were, we talked about match ideas and, you know, went through all that. And then I was finally like, Hey, uh, would it be out of line if I did the road dog spiel for the entrance? <laughs> <laughs> you know the whole oh you didn't know nonsense mm -hmm. and he just looks at me with a smirk on his face and he goes yeah that's cool but if you mess it up i'm gonna tell brian road dog <laughs> and you're definitely gonna be mocked mercilessly right. and i was like okay cool challenge accepted that's a fair deal and so then that was amazing right like that music hit and i got to do the oh you didn't know yo ass better call somebody and then me and billy gun came out together that's awesome. And it was awesome. It was really cool. We got in the ring and Billy Gunn grabs the mic because a lot of these guys, you know, especially when they're working there, they talk to the crowd and everything. Cause they're like the big guest star. 
He grabs the mic and he starts talking to everybody, you know, in the crowd before the match starts. And he goes, no, wait, 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 wait. You can't just do that part. If you're going to do Road Dog stuff, you got to do all of Road Dog stuff. So he hands the mic back to me. And then I did the whole ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and did that whole thing with Billy Gunn. You know, we told the crowd to suck it. And I was like, man, I feel like such a kid right now. This is the craziest right. thing ever that I got to do. So that was a really fun experience too. That was awesome. <laughs> I worked with Tommy Dreamer a little bit. Um, oh, well. He, I didn't have a match with Tommy, but I interfered in that match. So like, because like he was working a guy that I was feuding at the time. So my spot was to come in and just wreck that match and attack the guy that I was feuding. So I got to run out and beat up Tommy Dreamer. Um <laughs> which was really cool. Right. Like I get that. That's all. That was the extent of it. I ran out and I, I clobbered him and I grabbed him and I slammed him into the ring post. And then I went into the ring and did my whole thing with the other guy. But one of the things that was really cool about Tommy dreamer, and I've never really seen a lot of guys, any of the other like names do this is he sat at the monitor in the locker room and watched every single match that night. And then as the guys would come back from their match, he would pull them aside and he would give them pointers and advice about what he just watched in their match. And he was so like invested in doing that. And I thought that was so cool to see. I thought that was awesome. Like he even did the same thing with me. Like we came backstage and he was like, Hey, everything was really great. But like when you grabbed me to throw me in the ring post, you took me all the way to the other side of the ring. You should have just slammed me into this ring post because why would I walk all the way across the ring? And, you know, like I could have fell over and that would have looked dumb. And it's just one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, why didn't I do that? You know, thanks Tommy dreamer. Like that's little <laughs> things like that sometimes, right? Like there's always these weird little, little things in wrestling that you, um, you sometimes you don't think about it and it's obvious. And then like, so yeah. you just need somebody to tell you and it clicks like, oh, that's smart. And that was that. So that's one of the cool takeaways I have from that whole interaction. Like he was really, really hands-on with the whole show you got to show up punk out tommy dreamer and he gets no revenge right i know right i, I mean, know that's, <laughs> that's a good place to be man because if tommy dreamer <laughs> came looking for you you know you're gonna get hit with right Dude, that'd be, yeah i know i guess that'd, he, be, he owes, that'd be a good show me. man that's gonna be the best show ever man when you're live in your <laughs> lair and somebody pushes a shopping cart into the room and it's on <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Bring it on, Tommy. Let's go. <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. That's our Tommy Dreamer call out. That's the thumbnail. There we go. Right? Yeah. Right. Let's do Pixel and walk Tommy. Get Dreamer. me back in the ring. Let's go. Get me back in the ring, Tommy Dreamer. Let's do it. <laughs> He wants you, say, old man. Maybe don't bring the kids to the Tommy Dreamer match. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> ECW, ECW. Right? Give him a signed kendo stick. Are you kidding me? Oh, would be taking him home. Kid, hey, kids, this is the Sandman. He's daddy's friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wrestling's so, a great time. It's awesome. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> so, Dan, we we we're, uh, we're coming up on time, but I don't I don't want to let that get away without uh, talking a little bit about your your foray into the ciphered word. Uh, we yeah. always you've given James Cavanaugh the term noted author, so we can't I can't give that title to you too. 
Okay, sure. <laughs> James will come for me, Tommy Dreamer style. Uh, but you're you're an author now. You're a published author. Talk I am. About um, it's still pretty, pretty amazing. Like it's it, it it still almost doesn't feel real sometimes that that I was able to do that. But um, yes, just uh, in 2020. I released um, the official guide to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe action figures. The toys, the toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is what the official title of the book is. Uh, published by Dark Horse, officially licensed by Mattel, um, and I got the opportunity to to write this Bible, basically um, chronicling the Masters of the Universe toy line from 1982 through 2019. So it went through the end of the classics toy line. Um, at the time that I was working on it, I thought I was making a pretty complete uh, book, uh, not knowing what Mattel had planned <laughs> with Origins and Masterverse and everything that they've done since. But um, yeah, it was it was really a passion project. It was something that I personally always wanted to see. And uh, again, shout out to my good friend Val Staples, who runs PowerCon and he-Man.org for many years, and uh, he worked on several of the other Masters of the Universe books that Dark Horse published, like the Art of Masters of the Universe and the Mini Comics Collection. And way back when they first started working on those books, I was already like in his ear saying, if there's ever an opportunity to write a book about the toys, I want to do it. I want to be the guy. I want to tell that story. And it was just one of those things where like, I always just kind of made sure that people knew that that's something I wanted to do. So I got a phone when I got the phone call one day, that was just kind of like a, Hey, is that something you seriously want to do? Cause there may be an opportunity here and like, you're kind of being pegged for it. And I was just like, yes, absolutely. I want to do it. And then I hung up the phone and immediately. I was like, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to do <laughs> any of this. How am I going to figure this out? Right. And reality. Um, set in. Yeah. Reality sank in. But, um, no, it ended up being just this amazing journey because um, so the book is filled with original photography of every action figure, vehicle and playset that came out from 82 through 2019. And me and my team did all of this photography. And in order to do that, like I basically had to travel all over the country and meet up with collectors that had things that I could photograph because I have a lot of E-Man toys, but I don't have everything. And plus I had to find like mint in box collections and mm -hmm. I had to find loose complete collections mm -hmm. and I had to find the She-Ra collector and I had to find the new adventures of He-Man collector, you know, cause um, everybody kind of focuses on different things in collecting as we've talked about. And that just ended up being the coolest experience I probably have ever had doing this whole thing because I, I spent three years traveling all over the country, even up into Canada, hanging out at collectors homes for a weekend at a time and photographing their stuff while, you know, just talking about these things that we love, hearing why they collect, seeing what they focus on. And it was just this amazing experience of getting to connect with this community. And, you know, I always make sure to tell everybody, like, even though, like, my name is the lead author on this book, like, this is a community made book. Like, this book would not have been made possible without the community coming together to help me produce something like this. So it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And now, yeah, now I've got this amazing uh, physical item that I can hold that came out of my brain, which is pretty cool. 
And one of the things I always kind of say that has been really neat about this is like, I've been doing the YouTube thing, obviously for 15 years. And then obviously producing content has been awesome. And working alongside Mattel via getting review samples and stuff was cool. But this was something that I got to hold in my hands when it was done. It was a physical thing that I made. And it's the first time that I officially got to work on a brand that I have loved my whole life. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a really, really cool, um, just rewarding experience all around. It was awesome. That is excellent. Yeah. I, I know if, if I ever approached Hasbro about writing a GI Joe book, they'd probably come and burn my apartment down. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, again, I don't know what we did. We were very nice when we, when it was all official at joke on, we were always very pleasant. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. <laughs> No, it's a, having worked at Hasbro for, for a short time, I had the same feeling with the first Transformer thing that I had that had my yeah. fingerprint on it, right? Or the first Joe thing. Like, that's really something. Like, you can, you can be around a brand and be part of the community, be a big part of the community. When we actually get to work with the company that owns it, it's a little different. And it's, it is. Uh, it's it's like, memorable. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, Cause that's like, that's permanent now. Right. Like my name is there and that's yep. that, that means something to me. Like in the sense that like, I feel like I'm leaving a true legacy now behind, like, I, and I'm, I'm really bad about like underplaying what I do on YouTube or everything. Like people, people always tell me that I'm crazy, but like, I don't know, this felt, this felt important to me. Like it felt important to actually have my name there and stamped on and affiliated, you know, in some, in some way that I, I, you know, I got to actually work on the brand. That was cool. Like mm -hmm. in some small aspect, it was nice to actually leave, like leave my fingerprint on it. Like you said, like I got yeah. to leave something there. And like, I, I even got to, I visited Mattel headquarters for the first time ever um, last year and got to visit um, the design center. And like they, they took me into a room, like their museum-ish room where they have like a bunch of stuff like museum kind of displayed and everything. And they have a section of basically all these, um, the print items that have come out. And my book was there, like in their, in their display. And I was, that was just another thing where I'm like, oh my God, like that is, holy mm -hmm. cow, that's so cool. You know, <laughs> it's so cool. That is very cool, man. Mm -hmm. It's, um. Uh, and of all the people to do it, I'm glad it was you, you know, like, Thank you're, you. you're, Thank you. like I have, I have met some folks in the past who, when they find out that, that we know one another, they're like, is he really, is he really just as happy all the time? It's like, that's no, that is no act. That is 0% phony. That is Dan in a nutshell. It's always what people, at, people always want to know that. <laughs> right. There is no lie in the pixel Dan you see. On YouTube, it's me, man. I, I just... think that's the secret to your success, my friend. Well, thank you. It's just you know, it's fun, and if it stops being fun, that's when it's time to stop doing it. I think I don't want to. I don't want to be angry about the stuff. I want to enjoy it, and as long as I'm enjoying it and having fun, I'm going to keep doing it. So yeah, <laughs> right. Like there have been times where I felt a little burnt out and run down. Oh, we all get there. Yeah. I wanted to go on and then I, I say something and and Mark says you better keep going because I'll come and break your knuckles. And so, 
I'm fired up to do a show again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We all get there though. I think we all get burned out or, you know, stressed out. And, you know, I even talked about that a little bit earlier, like the, the YouTube thing, the content creation atmosphere can be very stressful and emotionally draining sometimes. And I absolutely get in my head. I get inside my own head a lot. I'm really bad about like comparing myself to other successful people and like getting down on myself. And I try so hard not to do that, but I think, I think we all do that sometimes a little bit. Um, so it does, it, we, we all get there with collecting or with content creation or anything, but like it always, I always find the fun again. I always find it. And, and that's why I just keep going. That's why I keep doing it. If you ever need to find focus, man, just, just when you're doing a show, put your older brother on it. And that tends to put you in your place right away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm the oldest in my family. I don't have oh, an older brother. Man, that's that's <laughs> no good at all. <laughs> get my shot in on rack time, Rob. There, that's all. Right. Just, just invite Billy Gunn over to stand between you and the. Okay, camera. there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, if you mess up, I'm going to let Brian know. That's all he's got to say right. to me. Oh, okay. Sorry, Mister Gunn. Sorry, Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn, who looks better now than he did 30 years ago. Come Dude, on. Right? Oh my gosh, he's Come another. On. He's another guy you don't think about being huge. He's huge. He's yeah, so man. tall. And so, yeah, he's huge. He, yeah. he towered over me when, yeah, <laughs> when we worked together. Yeah. He, he's every inch of 6'5". Yeah, absolutely. At, absolutely. At 270? I mean, just... Uh, there was a, an online rumor that was probably all it was, but that as a gag backstage in AEW, they had a ranking of best physiques in the company, and they would update it over time. And it pretty much was just a printout with Billy Gunn number one on it. And then they would fill <laughs> out the rest. <laughs> but, that sounds was, accurate. It was true, right? Yeah. <laughs> they were mad. Yeah. Some of the younger guys were mad about it, but they couldn't <laughs> do anything about it. Right. <laughs> go, go be that guy for 35 years. Go ahead. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so Dan, as we pull this train into the station, what have we missed? What, 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 what have we not touched base on that you just you have to get out there to to this and any other audience that might tune in just to see you? Well, I'm I'm working on a new book, <gasps> which is awesome. Um, I honestly, it's it's still a little up in the air on when exactly pre-orders start, but by the time this show comes out, it they might have started. Um, so it's hard for me to like officially talk about it mm -hmm. but fair. if you know the things that i like i think you can guess what the second book is about so right ninja force, <laughs> shadow ninjas. Ninja force. yes shadow ninjas <laughs> so yeah that's that's what i've been uh working on now that's kind of taken up a lot of my my time and i've actually been traveling around doing a lot of photography again for the past two years so um, yeah, that's uh, coming together. I'm pretty excited about that. So, if, other, if, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. If somebody was was interested in purchasing your first book, what what's the title of it, and where would they go? The title is "The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe." It's published by Dark Horse, which actually means it's very easy to purchase. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes and Noble. 
It's available through your local comic book store. So go support your local comic shops and have them order it for you there. Or if you catch me at a convention, um, you want to buy it from me directly. I typically bring books with me when I come to the shows and I do signings and stuff. So uh, you can stay tuned for my schedule. I usually release my convention schedule early in the year. And uh, yeah, you can come get it that way too. You're under under the sign that says toy enthusiast. Toy enthusiast. That's right. <laughs> well, now I can add, at least I can add author to that now. So it sounds a little mm -hmm. cooler. Like, <laughs> and, and wrestler. Come on now. Yeah, pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Anyways, Dan, you were, before I cut you off for, for schlock, uh, what oh. else we can stand there? <laughs> oh, otherwise, I was just going to say, otherwise, um, you can find me on YouTube just by searching Pixel Dan. And I'm also available on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, all under the same thing, at Pixel Dan. So it's pretty easy to find me just by searching my name. If you're interested in toy reviews and toy hunts and toy history and all that stuff. But I, I mean, like, it's a lot of He-Man and Ninja Turtles if you guys are into that sort of thing. But... I've been introducing a lot of the uh, G.I. Joe stuff too lately, if you into the 90s stuff. So, yeah. Well, for the entire Joe community, let me be the first to welcome you home. Oh, well, thank right. you. Right. It took you a while, but you've, yeah. somehow, you've somehow got your way back to the best. There you go. I, 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 okay. I accept. <laughs> you, you, you just got called up, man. Right. I, I love just, it. I love it. I got called up to the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> the Indies, and here you are in the big leagues at last. Forty. Yes, I knew it would pay off eventually. Online, <laughs> finally, finally, the calling. Somehow, GI Joe is your Becky Lynch. Right. Oh, hey, okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. There you go. Rolling him into the guardrail and then a firm handshake. It's, That's it's, it. it's poetry. Is what it is. It's poetry. Uh, I love Dan, it. you want to you want to shout out for anybody before we go? Oh, um, I guess so. So yeah, let me just let me just shout out like everybody in the Joe community this year that has actually been embracing this whole crazy journey I've been on. Cause it's been a lot of fun. So, so many of you guys at, at various toy shows and everything conventions this year, uh, who have all been encouraging me to pursue this. Uh, thanks. This has been a lot of fun, seriously. And I'm, I love getting to experience this. Like I said, I'm, I'm obviously an outsider. So I felt a little bit like an outsider. I didn't want to come in and be like, Hey, it's me, you know, but like, it's been really cool. Um, like how welcoming everybody in the community has been and, and the toy communities always make this thing so much fun. So that's, that's been great. I think it was probably a smart move not to go to the conventions with your road dog entrance. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, you didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pixel dance here to buy all the Joes. Let's go. <laughs> Where are my ninjas at? <laughs> right. Show me the neons. Pixel Dan works face. Spencer Powers works heel. That's okay, right. Yeah, that's right. Fair that's enough. right. <laughs> anybody else? Yeah, anybody else? We shouting out to. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, I talked about the book earlier, the Masters of the Universe book. So obviously, mm-hmm. shout out to my good friend Val Staples, who uh, was my partner on that book. Couldn't have done it without him. But also so many other people worked on that book, too. You know, I had lots of help with uh, photography and writing and uh, all those community people who helped me put that together. And um, same kind of shout out goes for everybody that's currently helping me right now with my new book project. Um just because I love, I love the community aspect of all this. I love that we can all come together to make something like this exist. And I'm just so thankful that everybody is so willing to help me do stuff like that. Awesome. That is good to hear. Dan's wife and kids left out of shout outs. Oh, well, I mean, I definitely couldn't do that. (laughs) Look, I, I shout out Christina all the time. I love my wife. She is the most supportive person uh, to this whole thing. I could not do this without her. She knows that, but I'm happy to say that all the time. <laughs> no, man, I've, I've actually met your wife a couple of times. I had to get you to, I had to get, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. She travels with me a lot to these shows. I, I definitely couldn't keep my head on straight at most of these conventions if she wasn't there helping me run these booths and stuff. So yeah, she's the best. And with that, we will, we will close this chapter of the Pixel Dan experience. Of course, we expect that you will be back with us to plug the Ninja Force book once it is released. (laughs) Okay, sure, yeah, I'll be here. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'll sell 10 copies of that. (laughs) You said 10 copies of that to Justin Bell alone. That's all you said. Oh, man. But, Dan, thanks so much for your time. Uh, for, For Pixel Dan Early, for the honcho Mark Weber. Thanks for joining us here on What's on Joe Mind, Special Edition 90. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, let us be the last to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, festive holiday season, whatever you may celebrate. Uh, and and that's it for now. Uh, we'll catch you next, I guess it'll be next Tuesday, uh, yeah. for another edition of the What's on Joe Mind team stream here in the friendly confines. Have a good rest of the week. Good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. got a lot going on up there mike that's not a bad thing no no i i uh showing off now (laughs) look man it's all i have going for me (laughs) it's all i have going for me i don't look people don't say i look good for my age they just say i look younger than i actually am so they they think I'm in. They think I'm under forty and a complete wreck. And I'll take that at this point. Okay, <laughs> gotta take your wins where you can, right? Absolutely. <laughs>